Welcome to the Yellow Jacket Experience. I'm your host, Seth Dusalt, the voice of the Yellow Jackets. And as part of Athletic Training Month, we have Christian Caban on our podcast this week. Chris, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, Seth. How are you? Doing fantastic. It's been a lot of fun to get to know the athletic trainers even more, even though obviously we spend a lot of time around each other. But uh, I want to start at the beginning, going back to you as a little kid, um, probably I would assume into sports like most kids are what uh, what sports did you play when you were younger how far did you end up going with them so I mean I think at an early age I gravitated towards basketball uh, my older brother always played he's four years older than me so every time he'd be outside shooting hoops you know I just wanted to be like that and um, yeah basketball was one of the early ones early memories having it on my tv uh, always remember a lot of baseball growing up as well my dad is really big on baseball big Yankee fan um, mm. And then football later on in life, like maybe when I got to early elementary, around middle school, I started playing football. Um, basketball and football, I kind of took into like high school. I never really went past that, but I'll, I'll still try and play uh, here and there, like intramurals or just pick up games, you know, try and stay active. Um, who was that? I was going to say, who were, uh, who were some of the athletes that other, you know, your brother, obviously, but other than your brother, who were some of the athletes as a kid that you uh, you looked up to or wanted to emulate or just really enjoyed watching playing? Tracy McGrady. That was, T-Mac, that's a good choice. Yeah, T-Mac was a big one for me. Um, I, I knew I was never going to be that tall or that athletic, but, I mean, yeah. it was fun to watch, man. Was, um, he could just do a little bit of everything, and I always wanted to emulate my game in that way where – you know, maybe I'm not shooting the ball well, but I could still play some defense, make some passes, and I feel like he brought a little bit of everything to the table. And um, for football, I was always big on Jerome Bettis. I'm a big Steelers fan. Mm. Um, and he was always kind of like a heavier set guy. And when I was a kid, I was a chubby kid. You know, I wasn't the most athletic looking. And he kind of inspired me where you could still be you might not be this tip-top physique kind of guy, but you can still get the job done and be very efficient at your uh, your job. So that was, those two I've, I've always gravitated to pretty heavily. So how did you end up making the choice to get into athletic training as a career? I mean, like for me, I know this, what I do was a way to be around sports, even though, like you said, you know, I'm not athletic either by any stretch of the imagination. Anybody who's seen me play basketball knows that. Um, so is, was that part of it or did, was there something else that, that drove you toward athletic training as something that you wanted to do with your life? So when I was in high school, like my senior year, I tore my meniscus. So I had to get surgery on that. And that kind of introduced me to more of the PT side of an, <clears throat> an orthopedic side of athletics. Um, cause before I thought, you know, you play sports and that was kind of it. And, um, getting hurt showed me that there's another side that you can still be involved with sports. Um, so I always kind of knew I wanted to do something along that line. So when I went to college, I went to a community college at first and I just took like any classes that kind of fell into the medical field, like all those prereqs. And then um, I, you know, went back to my PT days and I'm like, Oh, well, how can I get into this? And discovered athletic training and I literally just Googled athletic training schools in, in Connecticut and I stumbled across uh, Central Connecticut State University and yeah that's all she wrote from there I kind of just fell in love with the profession. Now in your time at Central Connecticut um, were there any particular professors that you felt were really 
impactful on you and becoming a good athletic trainer or people that maybe you even still now reach out to for advice or things like that? Yeah. I mean, um, our main professors who are also like our head trainers, uh, Kathy Pierog and Tom McCarthy and also Paul Manwaring. Um, sorry if I'm butchering your name, last name, Paul, sorry. Never used to get that one right. Um, but those three, yeah, they kind of helped shape pretty much all of us to, you know, be great athletic trainers. Um, you know, they've been in this profession for so long and just seeing their passion and the way they could, you know, influence kids' lives without, you know, without even doing too much, you know, a simple ice pack or evaluation or just a simple, just showing that the athletes that you care. Um, and they really expressed that throughout my time at Central. Um, it just influenced me to be, you know, the best that I could be at my job. You got to start your athletic training career at Amherst College. Uh, what was that experience like for you, those first couple of years being in the field and working with a college athletic program? I mean, it was cool. Like, it was definitely a, a bit different from Central um, being like a Division One program where athletics uh, kind of, you know, is the kind of the main thing on campus. I mean, I Academics are also important, but, you know, most D1s, athletics, you know, kind of trumps um, academics in a way. Where at Amherst, it was like the complete opposite. It's like those students are students first and athletes second, like to the T. So um, it was a bit of a change. It was a bit of a culture shock as well. Um, wasn't quite as diverse as uh, CCSU was. So it was a little bit different for me, but I learned a lot um, just – kind of just getting in the field and being on my own, you know, having teams for my own and um, just getting hands-on with athletes, surgical patients and things of that such. Um, so I, I did learn a lot in my time there, um, how to be a professional. What attracted you to AIC and got you to want to make that jump uh, from Amherst to AIC when you did a couple of years ago? Um, so to be honest, the, the first thing was a, just a, uh, closeness i mean i still live in connecticut so that was one factor it was like you know this is springfield i'm not driving an hour away to amherst every day and then second um diversity was big for me like i mentioned earlier in aic you know we have students from all over the world so that really attracted me in a sense that like i just like to be in involved in different cultures you know i like to meet people from all walks of life and um i thought aic provided a good opportunity for that and, um, you know, it was a Division II sport, um, a little more competitive than some D3 programs. Um, so I, I do like the competitiveness of it where, you know, the athletes want to be athletes and they want to get better and they want to be better. So um, that also attracted me as well to AIC. So what kind, of, what kind of things have you learned at AIC given the diversity of the cultures that are here with the – teams and athletes, as you've mentioned, from all over the country, all over the world. Uh, I think we have something like 35 or so different countries represented on our teams going through all of them. Um, I think just learning how to interact with the different um, people from different countries. You know, sometimes their mannerisms aren't the same, or maybe you might tell a joke that, you know, someone that grew up here might understand and laugh at, but, you know, someone from a different country may look at you like oh is, are they joking or are they being sarcastic like is it being for real so you kind of learn how to maneuver that way where 
you know, some things may be touchy to someone else that it might not be for another person. So um, definitely learning how to interact with different people um, and just getting understanding for what they believe in, what kind of person they are. And I find all that stuff really interesting. I'm a people reader, so um, I like to just interact with people and kind of see where their brain is. Makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, you've you've had a few years now here at AIC, um, worked with a bunch of different teams. What are some of the more memorable moments you've had? And it doesn't have to necessarily be specifically related to athletic training. It could just be anything with uh, with the teams here at AIC. Uh, well, a few things. Um, I always love like our uh, Florida trips with softball. Um, that's always a nice little getaway um, during like spring break time. I um, always have a good time with that group. Um, the Canada trip with men's soccer was great. That was my first time ever going to Canada. Um, and to be with such a diverse group as well and just being in a different country, it was just like, it was a great experience, something I'll never forget. Um, and then uh, the soccer playoff at Adelphi, that game um, where we beat them in, in extra time, that was just like, that's the kind of rush that you get from athletics that you can't get from anywhere else. Just like that. Everyone was just so pumped, so excited. The energy was crazy. The women's soccer team was there supporting us. Um, so to be away at a school like that and just feel like you're at home and everyone's just going crazy. It's, it was a great experience. Yeah, I was there for that. I remember that one. That was an uh, unbelievable goal by, uh, by the Yellow Jackets to win with Jake Durham, his second of the game that, bicycle kick the overtime yeah I might, I might have ran on the field I don't even know if I'm allowed to do that but <laughs> not not that. now <laughs> <laughs> yeah not now but at that time yeah I just I couldn't help it it was just like ran out there with the guys and it was just it was a great moment yeah I quite quite frankly actually kind of surprised that the women's team didn't run out onto the field uh themselves of course they pulled off their own upset the next day too which was really cool to see right. um so in any profession, I know it's certainly true for us here in, in athletic communications and definitely with, with you guys, with everything being science-based, uh, continuing edu education is so critical. Uh, what's something that you're working on learning to improve yourself as an athletic trainer? Um, so I'm trying to work on more of like, um, like a soft tissue techniques, um, really getting hands-on with certain things. Um, you know, certain muscles respond better to kind of like a manual therapy type of thing. And I want to just be better at that and trying to expand ways that I can treat my athletes. Um, cupping has been pretty big in, in athletics over the last few years. So, I mean, learning more techniques involving that, I think, is uh, something I definitely want to get into. And um, something that actually uh, Jess Renero has done with us or done recently is dry needling. It's very expensive, of course, but that's something that eventually I want to like at least look into and maybe get some experience with that. Hopefully, um, maybe I could pick her brain about it too. But um, and then just you know, always uh, finding ways to diagnose and evaluate. I mean, you know, there's tests that are used every day, and you know, some better than others. And as a, I'm still a fairly new athletic trainer, so I I still want to trying to find ways that get the best results, like the tests that do the best things for my athletes. So um, just about getting better every day and trying to do it that way. 
learning. What are what are some of the resources that you look toward if you feel like I need to know more about this? Where would where do you turn to try to find find that information? I mean, I, articles are always like uh, peer reviewed articles are always a good source, uh, like on PubMed. Um, you know. Uh, Journal of Sports Medicine, things like that. NATA always has, which is the National Athletic Training Association, and they always have uh, great articles that are, you know, progressive and, you know, the newest of the newest. So um, they always keep you up to date. So I always like to go there um, to find some sources. And also I like, um, I like stack.com um, as far as like learning uh, exercises or, um techniques that are they make it very like uh plain and simple for athletes where you're not you know using all this medical um, terminology but it's pretty straightforward but it's also some good information they teach you things for like nutrition um how to recover after games and practices and like i said um getting new exercises that i could challenge my athletes with this last year has, has obviously been unlike anything any of us have ever really had to deal with before uh, what have you learned about your profession during the coronavirus pandemic? And what have you learned about yourself uh, in dealing with uh, with the situation that we're still in here a year later? I mean, I think resilience is one of the first words that comes to my head. I mean, just in athletics as a whole, you know, we've, we were shut down for so long that it kind of just felt like weird. It wasn't normal life. So the fact that we can, you know, work so hard to find ways around that and still do the things that we love and, you know, provide for our athletes as well. I think that's been a huge thing that AIC has done. I know a lot of schools in any 10 haven't even, you know, they didn't continue any seasons. They kind of just shut down completely. So um, for AIC as a whole to, you know, do things through, you know, testing and being so regular with it and, educating the athletes on like what to do or not to do and just being strict in that sense um i think has been huge for us and just aic as a community especially for the athletes as well well um you know they they come here obviously to be students but they also want to play their sport and for us to make that happen i think uh was huge for everyone let's get to know you a little bit more um we talked a little bit at the beginning about your love of basketball um Who's your pick for the NCAA championship uh, division one that's coming up? I know, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to go, okay, Gonzaga on the men's side, UConn on the women's side. Give us, give us the Chris Caban uh, breakdown. Who's going to win it all? Well, since I'm, since I'm from Connecticut, you know, the women, I, I got to say UConn for the women for sure. Um, Paige Buchers is a beast and I don't see anyone stopping them to be honest. Um, and we've also had a quite of a drought the last couple of years. So I think, UConn women's is going to get back in the mix. And um, to be honest, my men's answer is really boring too, but I'm going to say UConn. Um, really? We're back in the tournament after uh, four years or so. Um, we're a seventh seed, and the last time we won it was as a seventh seed. So I'm going to go lucky number seven. I think the UConn team is a – you know, all you got to do is get hot. You know, you don't have to be the best team, but – if you could put it together for a few weeks, then that's really all it takes. And I've seen them do it before, and I hope they do it again. So he's going. He's going with the, with the double UConn. Let's uh, yep. we'll keep we'll, we'll find out in a couple weeks. 
you're also a big big music guy i know that uh conversations with you from being friends with you on facebook uh what's hot on your playlist right now and who's an artist that you like that people might not expect based on your general taste in music uh that's tough um I guess on the playlist, I mean, I, I just, I kind of gravitate more to like the old stuff that I know. Um, I'm always find myself just playing back on stuff to Kanye West, Jay-Z, uh, things of that nature. Um, as far as, oh, that's, call me with a tricky one. Um, <laughs> you know, I kind of, I'm really into like 70s rock. And right. I, don't, I don't think most people would expect that looking at me, but, you know, I love like, you know, Jimi Hendrix, uh, the Eagles, the Doors, stuff like that. And that genre, um, that kind of like psychedelic rock music. I'm a huge fan of that. Um, and I know most people look at me and probably wouldn't expect that at all or guess that, but I'm really big on that, especially lately. There's it's nothing wrong with uh, going from, uh, from Jay-Z to the doors, it's a... Uh... Oh yeah, the, the shuffle on my on my playlist is, is nuts. It's like, like I said, one day is, you know, some hardcore or trap rap music, and then I'm listening to R&B, and then some rock music, it's it's all over the place. I, I think I, the, I'm pretty similar in that regard. I confused uh, everybody in the room uh, one time going from Elton John to Slayer back to back on my on my music, just playing stuff I have on my computer on shuffle. It's like, what? So, you know, I, That's I gotta be, you gotta keep, I love diversity and I love, yeah. you know, picking from different walks of life and music's not different, you know? I was, I was, that's actually just what I was just about to say is that you have, goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, being able to learn from different, uh, different cultures and different groups of people. It's all, all in the end comes back to that. So, other than sports and music, because I mean, we could talk about both of those things for forever. What's something that you're into or something that you do in your free time? Uh, I mean, as of late, I'm, I'm a pretty boring guy, I can't lie. Um, I still like exercising, so just getting to the gym, um, just being active in some sort of way physically, um, whether it be like a pickup game of basketball, which you can't, haven't been able to really do much of lately because of COVID, but that was always something I was uh, into, um, like flag football leagues. Um, I guess it all ties back into sports and music in a way. But um, mm -hmm. I also like just like art. You know, I was big on drawing when I was a kid. Um, in the pandemic, I found myself just doing like various small like art projects, um, whether it's like painting or drawing or stuff of that sense. Um, also just like putting things together, like building things. Um, uh, my girlfriend's always given me like a task to do, you know, put this thing together, put a shelf up, put this mm -hmm. up. So um, I, don't, I don't mind doing that stuff as well. But honestly, everything always ties back to sports and music for me. And that's just, you know, sometimes the things you love, you, you just can't put them aside. It's tying in your life in some sort of way. Yeah, I would have a hard time with that question because I mean, what do you mean other than sports? So the last question, and this is the one we ask everybody that comes on here, other than your parents, who is someone in your life who's had a significant influence on you and how did they shape who you are as a person? So the first person that would come to my mind would be um, 
my older cousin, uh, Joey, he, uh, I look at him as like an older brother. He's always, he's like nine years older than me. So he's always been like an adult figure in my life. And even as, um, when I was nine, he was 18 and he would always just come hang out with me even as a young, like an older teenager, like you don't want to be seen with a younger kid or hanging out with like, you know, your little cousin, but he'd always come by, pick me up. You know, I got my, a lot of my love for music from him. Um, as well as sports, you know, he just always kind of showed me the ropes and I would say I'm kind of like a, a mini version of what he is now. So it's, it's kind of fun to look at. I mean, you never think of how your life is being shaped when you're a kid until you actually get older and you can reflect back on it. And uh, I would say he was definitely like one of the main influences in my life for sure. Having a good older cousin, definitely, uh, definitely a good influence to have. And it's true for me as well. So definitely feel that answer. Chris, appreciate you coming on, doing this with us today. It's great to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, I guess I'm going to add in one last question. Uh, what are you, uh, what are you most looking forward to uh, like a game or a sport this spring? Uh, I mean, we had a, I'm looking forward to softball season. I mean, we had our first two games uh, this past weekend and both of them, you know, close, exciting games. Um, I think we have a good group and I look forward to, you know, what they can put together going forward. Um, hasn't been the, the greatest, I guess, in the past couple of years. Um, I think this group has a chance to really turn that around um, with all our young players, very exciting. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to how this season develops and just getting back to game mode. I mean, we've been doing all these practices and, you know, there's nothing like a game day. You just feel it in the air. So um, it's just fun to get back in that environment for sure. Yeah, no doubt the softball team has uh, got the potential to be special. Well, Chris, again, thank you for doing this. Appreciate your time, getting to know you more, and looking forward to seeing you out there on the diamond and working with our athletes. Yeah, thank you, Seth, for inviting me. Um, appreciate it. Thank you. This has been another episode of the Yellow Jacket Experience. Keep your eyes peeled on our YouTube page and all our social medias. More episodes will be coming forward for you in the next week.